0: Alright, good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, this is my wife Sherry, and we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on uh, the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. And so I think we're in week 8 tonight. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be in chapter 4 again tonight uh, under the section heading Blinded to the Truth. Uh, so the, the title of this chapter again, uh, let me just get that up for us, is No Wicked Thing. And so we've been talking about a lot about um, putting some safeguards up. You know, we have authority, but we also need to make sure we're not letting the enemy at the back door. And there's some things that we can, we have authority and we have uh, to, to not allow the enemy into our house and into our lives, you know. Um, and so anyway, we'll be talking about that a little bit more in just a minute. Uh, Just so you know, uh, all of our Bible studies are archived on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we thank you again for all of our financial partners who are partnering with us in this ministry, in this church, Um, so we can bring the gospel to you and all around the world. Uh, And so you can, uh, if you haven't, if you didn't know you could, you can actually support us to your, your donations and, and contributions at LighthouseDiscipleship.org. and anyway, thank you for that so again, we'll be in uh, chapter 4 tonight in our study, The Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack and uh, we're talking about the Believer's Authority you know, now a lot of people think this is just spiritual warfare and in a sense we'll deal with that but we have authority as believers and a lot of us, you know, a lot of people don't teach that and don't teach it in that way uh, we're trying to, in spiritual warfare, people are trying to have prayer meetings and trying to get God to move. Well, God's not the one stuck. <laughs> you know, He God gave us authority. God is still doing stuff, in a, in a sense that, and I still believe in prayer. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I believe that's core. Prayer is a, nothing more than a relationship with God. Andrew brings that out in another teaching, a better way to pray. And we are, you know, we're... We're not praying uh, for victory. We're praying from victory. There's a big difference. We already had the victory in Christ Jesus. And we're not fighting for it. We're fighting from the position of victory. We already have the victory. And because we already have the victory, we already have authority. And it's, the devil has no authority. His biggest weapon is to deceive you. Yes, he's out to kill, still destroy, John 10.10. 10. <coughs> but he... His biggest weapon is is really lying and deception. He wants you to think you that know, he he's a god of this age. No, he's not. He was, but you know, that's we just celebrate Easter. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the devil. You know the holy. We're talking about the Holy Spirit Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin and us of righteousness and the devil that he's already judged. We have authority. You know we need to, to use that authority. To not only in an offensive way, but also in a defensive way. We'll be talking about the offense later uh, in our study, but right now we're talking about some of the defenses. You know, in any sport, basketball, football, baseball, if you have a good offense team, great. You have got people who can hit hit the ball, hit home runs, and get on base and score, that's great. You have got people who can make a touchdown, whether they're running or (coughs) throwing or receiving a pass, or someone who's a good... Uh, a basketball player or a hockey player, that's great. But if you don't have a good defense team, the, the opponent can be scoring as many points as you are, if not more, uh, because uh, as much as you are putting points on the scoreboard, your, enemies is, your, your, your opponent is too. So we've got to be good offensively. We have authority. We're going to be talking about that, but we also need to be defensive. And we were talking about, you know, different things that the enemy has, inroads that he has in our lives. And this particular chapter, we're talking about no wicked thing. And so, and uh, and the, specifically tonight, we're going to kick it off. We're talking about blinded to the truth. And so, uh, there's some things that the enemy can deceive us, blind us to the truth. And that is, uh, we can use it all the authority we want, but if we're blinded to the truth, the enemy is just going to... Uh, uh, eat our lunch and pop the bag and so anyway it just uh, anyway Sure. Okay.
1: and you know one of the greatest deceptions of Satan is to distract us from our purpose you know each purpose each person has a God-given purpose but also the church has a purpose uh, to bring the gospel to the world and to love one another and be in unity and Satan has deceived the church That it's okay to be offended at someone or bitter or hurt or you know It's okay to destroy one another and 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 that's that's Completely a lie from the enemy. We're to build each other up uh, You know my gift might be different from yours But if if you're a believer you're part of the body of Christ and we are to work together alongside one another um but let's
0: uh all right so sherry's going to read for us and she'll be our narrator and then we'll talk about it
1: in this spiritual battle satan takes advantage of the words we say for by the words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned matthew twelve thirty seven. when we don't realize just how important our words are we speak forth foolishness, doubt, unbelief, and other things that allow Satan to devour us because we let our guard, down our guard. Part of Paul's commission from God, and ours as well, is to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. Acts 26.18 Many people don't really recognize that Satan is dominating, exerting power in their lives. They just think it's circumstances, fate, or luck. This scripture makes it very clear that they have been under the influence of the devil. You have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our <laughs> Our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Ephesians 2, verses 1-3. Before we converted to Christ, we were by nature children of Satan. We lived our lives under his influence and dominion, blinded to the truth. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believeth not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4 4. The devil is actively at work today, hardening people and blinding them from the truths of the gospel. This is not a passive battle, he's aggressively pursuing and trying to destroy people. One of the reasons why the enemy has such a stronghold on so many people is that the church hasn't really recognized the spiritual battle we're in
0: so it goes back off you know chapter one we have to realize we are in a spiritual battle and uh we started off this chapter last week talking about how words are important I'm being hung by the tongue you know the power of life and death are in the power of the tongue you know uh, we we can uh, the words that we say are powerful and one of the inroads that the enemy has in our life is, you know, uh, first of all, we don't even know where to battle. Second of all, you know, uh, he, you know we can uh, uh, we don't realize that the, the power of our, our words. You know, um, where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work, James three sixteen, and so, you know, if we can be mad at the computer, mad at the car, mad at the dog, mad at the family, the wife, the kids, the husband. You know, and uh, we, we say profanity, whatever the case may be. And we think, oh, it's just a car, it's just a machine, whatever the case may be. But whether there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. <coughs> you know, we sh- we can bless our car, we can bless our food, and we can bless our house and, and our vehicles and, and our jobs and our boss and our country and our president and whatnot. We need to bless those things. Power of life and death are in that tongue. You know, and we need to. Um, I'm just trying to piggyback on some things here from Andrew in this this section, though. Um, you know, he ta- starts off from Matthew 12, talking about by your words you'll be justified, by your words you shall be condemned. Again, ta- emphasizing about the word words, but and then he goes on to say uh, in Second Corinthians 4:4, 4, 4, "In whom the God of this age has blinded the mind of, uh, of them who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the Glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God should shine on them. (coughs) Excuse me. I just go back to something I was saying at the beginning of our session tonight. You know, through deception, the enemy wants, one of his number one tactics is to blind us from the gospel. He wants to blind us. He wants to veil that gospel. Because it's the gospel that's going to set us free. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone believes. But he'll do everything he can to blind us from that gospel. And, uh, and so, uh, so, so what Andrew says around us, before we were converted, we were, by nature, children of Satan. We lived in, in our lives under the influence of the dominion and blinded by the truth. You know, most of us don't realize this or not, but before you were saved, you were under the control of the devil. You know, some of you realize that pretty much so. And some of you think you're still under the control of the devil. Well, that depends on if you're allowing him or not. Whether it's envy and strength there's every evil work. <coughs> but now that we're born again, you know, and he he also said from Ephesians chapter 2 yeah, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were, but now we're alive to God. You know, Paul says in Romans 6, chapter Verses one to one eleven, Romans chapter six, verses one to eleven. But he concludes in verse eleven, says, "reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus." We were dead we need to, we need to reckon two things. We need to come to the conclusiveness of two things: that we are dead to sin, and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, if we don't realize who we are and we don't realize the battle that we're in. Uh, and we don't recognize that we're dead to sin, but alive to God. The enemy is just going to have, he's going to, he's, if we don't know those two things, you know, the the word behold means to see with the mind. And if we can't see, if we can't reckon that we are dead to sin, alive to God, we are blinded to the truth. And it's the truth that will set you free. You should know the truth and the truth will set you free. Romans, I mean, John chapter 8, verse 32. But if you are blinded to the truth, the truth can't set you free. <laughs> if you don't know who you are, what you have in Christ Jesus, and if you don't realize that you are in a battle, and Satan's out to kill, steal, and destroy you, and he will use deception, he will even use the words that you say, because out of the abundance of the mouth, the, well, that's true too. Not the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but uh, the power of life and death are in the tongue. If we don't know who we are. Because out of the, going back to the verse I, I misquoted, but I'll take that verse, how the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where do our words come from? They come from our heart. And if you're speaking negative things, profanity, whatever the case may be, you have a negative heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But if you're spending time with God in His Word, with His Spirit, walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, I'll be talking about that, a lot about that this Sunday morning. About if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh is still there, even though we're dead to sin and alive to God. But the flesh is still there, even though we don't know no man after the flesh, Second Corinthians 5, 7, uh, 16. But at the same point in time, we don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the other teachings we've had, you can't, you know, we, we can't always control whether a temptation comes in. But we don't have to feed on that temptation. We don't have to own that temptation. We don't have to give place to that temptation. You can't control whether a bird flies over your head, but you can control whether the bird lays a nest in your head. And, and so, uh, you know, we just, uh, when we are spending time with God... That's why going to church is important, being a part of the so we can provoke one another to love and good deeds. Being a part of the body of Christ is important. Getting regular good teaching is important. Worshipping God, where you get your minds off this world and get your mind off on God. All these things being in the Word of God. We got all kinds of information coming all day long, all week long, all month long, all lifelong. We need to spend time in God's Word so we can sow good seeds back into, I think. But, you know, if we will keep our minds stayed upon Him, if we will abide in Him and His Word abides in us, you know, we can't do nothing without Him. And and so, (coughs) our authority comes from Him, but we need to abide in Him. We need to have a relationship with Him. And if we are not, you know, it says in John... Eight that we that we should know the truth and truth will set so us free. Well, the verse before that says that we should be his disciples. A disciple is a disciplined learner. And unless you are a disciplined learner, a disciple, you're not going to know the truth, and so the truth can set you free. It's through discipleship that you even know the truth. But if you're not being discipled, you're going to be blinded by the truth because the devil doesn't take a day off. He doesn't have holidays. He doesn't have vacations. 24-7 the devil is trying to kill, steal, destroy using deception. He doesn't take time off. And when, you would, when you're when you taking it easy, when you just kind of kick it, kick back, the devil loves that. I'm not saying we can't rest and have some R&R. I'm not talking about that. But you know when David fell into Bathsheba? It was when he was resting on the rooftop when he should have been in battle. A lot of times... Our it's not when we're going through a storm. That our our darkest hour. Sometimes when we're everything's okay and we're not going through a battle. Sometimes that's when we are more susceptible to fall. We need to keep so our our mind stayed upon Him. And uh, and so we can't. We won't be blindfolded. There's so much more I could say about this. Do you have something to wish you? Uh,
1: no. Um, and this this whole study is not. To get on people like Andrew said it's to help bring the truth and the light out so we can see where we are deceived so so that we can walk in victory you know I was listening to uh, uh, one of the Bible classes we have on our website today er, uh, earlier today and uh, the Dwayne Sheriff was speaking and he made a comment which I I really appreciated he was talking about Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice and that Jesus only needed to be sacrificed once and for all and he completed completed it he he didn't have to keep repeating like the Old Testament priest, or they would have to do sin offering 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 over and over again and he even made a joke that Hey, you might have brought your offering to the priest, but by the time you got to your tent, you probably uh, was had sinned somewhere along the way, so you needed to just turn around and, and bring an offering. But his point was in the Old Testament, the priest never sat down. They could not meet the sin requirement with all the offerings they ever offered because it wasn't good enough. All those offerings were not good enough. Yet when Jesus went to the cross and He became our sacrifice, and He once and for all not only forgave us of our sins but purchased of our sins. When and and He died on the cross and He was buried and He rose again. When he when He uh, went to be at the right hand of God, He sat down on the throne he didn't have to keep standing to keep repeating the sacrifice he sat down and won the victory that means we as his disciples as his believers have the victory because of what Jesus did and Satan's trying his darnest to keep that from us to deceive us to blind us so that we don't don't walk in that victory but Jesus only need to pay that sacrifice once and for all and he gave that victory to us for us to walk in. And so Andrew, uh, in his revelation uh, through this teaching and, and trying to bring it across that we as believers have believers' authority because of what Jesus did.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's read some more. Corruption, corrupting good matters.
1: As a minister of the gospel, I use daily programs on both television and radio to share the truth of God's word all around the world. However, many of the other programs people watch and listen to on television and radio are used of the devil to strengthen his influence and control. Both non-believers and Christians alike are plugged into them and, to one degree or another, are fed a steady diet of ungodliness sexual immorality, violence, strife, hatred, and sarcasm. We allow this sewage to pour into our homes and Satan uses it in our lives. It's not that television or radio are evil in and of themselves. God is using both of them mightily to advance his kingdom. The problem is that Satan also uses the vast majority of their programming not to build up but to destroy people's lives. Some people think, oh, I can watch this stuff and it doesn't affect me. God's word says they're deceived. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians 15.33 You may convince yourself that you're not being influenced or corrupted, but the word reveals otherwise. You simply cannot maintain your spiritual equilibrium while indulging your eyes on, on ungodliness. David, the man after God's own heart, understood this. He said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Psalm 101, verse 3. As a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to make the same commitment, saying, I will not watch anything wicked. I refuse to paint a picture on the inside of me of lust, anger, immorality, hatred, strife, or murder. I recognize that every time I open myself up to such things... There is a negative spiritual power there waiting to gain an inroad into my life. By God's grace, I will not give the devil any access into my life.
0: You know, there's really good stuff, and just to piggyback on what something Sherry said a minute ago, you know, this is not to get anyone's case. But at the same point in time, you know, uh, Paul says it this way in Thessalonians, he says, I come to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And it's not that, you know, I need this teaching too. We all need this teaching too. You know, sometimes... We, all scriptures pop over for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, and going back to everything we've been talking about and repeating what Andrew's saying here, you know, evil communication corrupts good manners. And how David said, No, uh, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Jesus also said in, in Matthew 7 7, or Matthew 7 7, I think it's in Matthew 7, it might be in Matthew 6, but uh, he says, "The eyes are the lamp of the body. If the if the if the, if the eyes are bad, the whole body's bad." What you know? It's like the ch- little children's song I m- remember hearing growing up. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. You know, we need to be careful what we're putting in. You know, if you th- if you think, and many times we do, that what you're listening to, what you're seeing, is not going to affect you because you're mature enough. That's pride and you're deceived. And I don't say that to hurt you. I don't say that again in your case. I say that to help you. If you think whatever you're listening to, whatever you're, you're watching doesn't affect you first of, because you're spiritual enough, first of all, you're not, no one's spiritual enough to control the flesh. Again, that's not how it works. Uh, the, the Bible says to be naturally-minded is death. To be spiritually-minded is life and peace. You know, if you think you are strong enough to to toy with junk and sewage, uh, to, uh, then, then you're deceived. Good, evil communication corrupts good manners. I, th- I also like to take the opposite of that. Good communication, you know... Uh, Edifies good manners, if I can put it that way. You know that's why being around the body of Christ is good. The early church met daily, and yet we think we're spiritual by meeting one or two days a week. But the early church saw something. They were they were steadfast into the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. They were steadfast, constant. Yes, the word of God. Yes, praying. Yes, communion. But at the same point in time, they were also steadfast with fellowship. You can't grow, you can't mature the way you should without fellowship. It can't just be fellowship and nowhere. it needs to be all four of those things. The early church, our core values of this church go based on on Acts chapter 4, where it says they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we need to be steadfast on all four things. <coughs> but at the same point, you know, we, we marvel at ministers like Wigglesworth. We marvel at different ministers through the years and through the centuries. And yet they were like David and said, I will now allow no wicked thing. Wigglesworth would not allow a newspaper in his house. This is before TV. I don't think he would allow TV. I'm pretty sure he would not allow social media. He he wouldn't allow that. Wigglesworth would not allow he says, You you I mean, he would if you, he said you cannot come in my home with a newspaper. You know, back in those days newspapers were popular because they don't have television and, and, and technology like we have today. But he wouldn't allow it. He's you know it uh, we gotta be careful, guard our heart because out of it flows the issues of life. If you think you can handle a bunch of junk and be okay, you know you're deceived. You know it just—it's like putting sewage in your water, putting sewage in your system, and like it's okay. You know it's kind of like the the mother. I know I've heard the story said in many different ways, but he the, the the mom made some brownies for a bunch of boys, and they would getting ready to have some brownies, and, he, and she said, "Oh, by the way, I just put a little bit of dog poop in there." Just a little bit. I didn't put the whole thing in there. I just put a little bit. Think those boys want to eat those brownies? No. I don't care how small dog poop is. I'm not eating it. <laughs> you know? Even if it's mixed and cooked and broiled and whatever. You know? And that yet we think we're okay with just a little bit of junk. A little bit of this. A little bit of that. You know? Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. Evil communication Corrupts good manners. You know, you can be doing well. And all of a sudden you're where you're not supposed to be like David. On the rooftop when he should have been in battle with his his men. And his, he you know, he, I'm sure he was up there all innocent in one sense. And he just saw the wrong image. And he lusted for that. Wanted it. Caused him to commit murder. Caused him to commit adultery. You know, almost cost him his life. And the cops, you know, different things. And his kinship, but at the same point in time, you know, evil communication, corrupts good corrupt manners. And he, he, he made a commitment: I will upset no wicked thing before my eyes. And we need, we need to guard that. You know, we're not being religious; we're in a relationship with God. You know, we need to be like Joseph, who will run and leave his cloak behind. Because he's not going to sin against you, and he's not going to sin against God. Uh, he valued his relationship with God that much.
1: So. You know, it reminds me of um, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Um, you know, he he's talking to the the church in his letter, and he's um, he started being concerned because he hadn't been with them um, for a while. Um, and found out how they were doing and he was worried that that uh they might go in their in their, back in their old ways into sin and idolatry and so he sent timothy to see how they're doing and timothy's report uh, that he got sent back to paul was glowing because the church in thessalonians um they they kept to the faith they they kept in the word of God, they kept to the gospel teaching that, that Paul had shared with them. And their, their, their love and their faith just abounded, and that was his prayer for them. Um, but it was, uh, it, it so encouraged Paul to see that um, it wasn't just a prayer that he prayed for them, but they were actually doing that. And it just, you know, this whole section of, you know, no wicked thing, it made me think of them because that that church in in Thessalonica, um, they they kept the gospel in front of them in their hearts and then their minds and and they were able to keep strong in the faith even even with uh, all that they had gone through because Paul mentions that that they had gone through um, some stuff and. You know, this, this world is, is evil. There's so much horrible stuff going on. But we can not only walk in love, walk in thanksgiving, uh, but walk and abound in faith no matter what's going on around us. We can keep our hearts and minds focused on God and uh, the victory we have in, in Jesus.
0: Amen. Amen. Let us read a little bit more. Painting Pictures.
1: One of the reasons we have so much violence violence and immorality in our society is that there's so much violence and immorality on television and in movies. These images are painting pictures in the hearts and minds of people who are then going out and acting on them. We can't be tempted by what we don't think, Hebrews 11.15, but what we think about constantly will become what we talk about and do. Everything you say and or do is releasing either God's or Satan's power in your life. Your enemy is an active force at work in the world seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 He blinds the minds of those who don't believe in order to steal, kill, and destroy them. 2 Corinthians 4.4 John 10.10 Just putting your head in the sand and saying, I don't believe we're in a battle. I'm just going to continue on the way I've been isn't going to change the situation. It just means that you'll be one of the casualties. It's to your advantage to recognize the reality of the fight and make the necessary adjustments in your thinking and lifestyle. We are responsible to submit to God and resist the devil, James 4, 7. Our thoughts, emotions, words, and actions are either giving place to God or giving place to the devil, Ephesians 4, 27. We need to recognize the spiritual dynamics happening all around us. I'm amazed at how many people don't associate their actions with the results they're experiencing. They totally miss the correlation and don't have a clue how Satan is destroying them. While living a life in opposition to God, they come up to me and say, I just don't understand why the devil is after me.
0: Well, as Andrew will say many times, if you're not bumping into the devil, perhaps you're going in the same direction. And so uh, we, we should be bumping into him along the way. But at the same point in time, you know, there's a couple of things that I want to piggyback on here. The, the last sentence of the first paragraph where we just read, however, what we constantly think about will become what we talk about and do. What we allow our mind to think on and dwell on. You know, that's why we. We talked so many times in our Sunday night Bible study about uh, meditating on God's Word day and night that you might have good success. Well, if you're not meditating on God's Word day and night, what else are you meditating on? Because whatever you're meditating on day and night, whatever you think about, you will eventually... You, um, let me read it again. What we constantly think about will become what we talk about and what we do. And so I want to keep my mind stayed upon Him. You know, David said this way, hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And he goes on to say, we are responsible to submit to God and resist the devil. We're talking about believers' authority, and so many people want to jump right to resisting the devil. Cast the devil out of this, cast the devil out of that. And I'm all for casting the devil out of things. At the same point in time, we... If we're casting the devil out of everything, but we're not submitting to God, we miss the message. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Some of us are casting the devil out of everything, but we're not submitting to God. <laughs> you know? And so, if you're not submitting to God, you're just going to let the devil right back in. <clears throat> you got su- Somebody is your Lord. Whether it's the devil, or whether it's yourself, or whether it's uh, God. God. Jesus Christ, who are you submitting to? You know, uh, it's just there's so much there in that submission. Um, you know, even when Paul talks about wives submit to your husbands, he doesn't say husbands make your wives submissive. <laughs> he he does he tells the husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, which is a whole nother message. But Submission is a voluntary thing. You know, I can't make anyone submissive. I can make someone comply, but I can't make them submissive. Submission comes from the inside. We need us. We need to choose to submit to God. How are you going to submit to God when you don't really know what God says? You don't have any relationship with Him and His Word and His Church, His His Church, His Body, uh, His Pastors, whatnot. You know, and I'm hoping that what I'm saying saying tonight doesn't come across negative. It's just I ask myself all these questions all the time, and because all scripture is powerful for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. You know, we need to be, we need to uh, submit to God, and uh, and based on that place of submission, resist the devil, and he will flee. And so there's some things I won't submit to. Why? Because I'm submitting to God. I can't submit to God and you. I can't submit to God and others. But in submitting to God, I can't submit to, let's just say, my elders, my the authority, that God has placed in my life. But I do it as I submit to God. And I work and I do everything I do as I do. I do it. I do the Lord, and therefore I can do it to you. But I have one Lord. I have one master. I have one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so, I can't submit to God and hate you. Because God is love. 1 John 4, 7, and then 8. So anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God. I can't be submitting to someone I don't even know. So I can't do things contrary to God's word and be submitting to God at the same time. It does. It, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't work. It's just like you can't have dry water, you can't have cold fire, you know. Oil and water don't mix, you know. I can't, I can't submit the God to be sitting at the same time, because I'm, I'm not. It, it, it doesn't work. I submit to God. I resist the devil, and he will flee. And so um, we're talking about believers' authority. Well, where does it start? It starts with submitting to God it starts with a relationship with God you know Jesus didn't do anything he didn't hear his father do we marvel at the ministry of Jesus and we know that he was the son of God he laid down his divinity to become the son of man but he didn't do anything he didn't see his father do that's submission and so uh, you know Jesus submitted to his father And if we think we can do what Jesus did without submitting to our Father, then we're deceived. And so, anyway. um, Okay. Okay.
1: You know, what what David was sharing made me think um, of this passage in Acts. Um, It might be familiar to some of you. uh, Maybe not to others. But, you know, we can resist the devil all we want on our own and we're just deceiving ourselves it's not going to work we have to submit to the Word of God and in Acts 19 Paul is preaching the gospel and so Acts 19 if you start in verse 11 you know Paul, Paul was already preaching but it says, says in verse 11 now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You know, if, if Paul wasn't a believer, if he didn't submit to God and God's word, none of this would have ever taken place. And we marvel at Paul and his faith and the miracles he, he uh, did, but we have to realize that Paul believed the gospel when he uh, was on the road to Damascus, and God got hold of his heart and his life, you know there was a big change. And um, Paul, um, so apparent through all the books that he wrote, you know he's not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, he's a bond servant of Christ. Um, for him to to. Um, uh, Okay, I have a couple of verses right in my head mixed together. So if I quote one, it's going to be quoting like three of them. But it's to, um, but he has. It's Christ first and foremost in these verses that are running through my head. But in Acts 19, you know, it talks about these miracles. But then it goes on to into uh, that was verses 11 and 12. Then in 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Um, And then the evil spirit overpowered them, and it's just... You know, proof that you know Paul lived by the gospel, and he was able to use his believer's authority to heal the the, the sick and cast out demons. Uh, but these people who thought that was really cool that they could do it too, didn't realize that it's the name of Jesus is not a magic phrase. It is a person. Jesus is. A person he is a son of God who went to the cross for us and won the victory for us Paul knew that he lived and breathed the gospel so he was able to walk in that authority but these people they didn't submit to God they didn't understand any of it and so they were overpowered instead and it's like someone saying well I'm gonna resist the devil and I'm just gonna keep resisting." Well. Go ahead, but if you don't have Christ first and foremost in your heart and submit to God and God's Word alone first, you're not going to have any any victory in that. But if you if you read further down, so that um, I'm going to skip ahead to see so um, verse seventeen says this became this story of what happened came became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified in verse 20 so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed you know the the whole point of, of this that I'm piggybacking on what Dave said if we don't submit to God first we're not we're not going to be able to do anything and if we think that we just want to be cool and cast out demons and work miracles well you know I hope that's uh, I'm I'm I'll just say it this way I'm not happy for you because it without Jesus without God in your life without submitting to God first you know what's, what's the point
0: what have you actually accomplished if you cast the devil out but you're not submitting to God
1: yeah. what have
0: you actually accomplished what you know You know the worst thing about hell will be not only will the devil be there and will be tormenting the worst thing about hell is there's no God and so uh, you know the best thing about heaven is not just so much that we get to live for eternity in mansions and streets of gold God's there and so, a life, casting the devil out, everything is not the goal. Having a relationship with God is. Yes, in having a relationship with God, we're going to resist the devil and he's going to flee. But the goal is some, a relationship with God. What have we accomplished? And when we get someone, you know, there's certain behaviors, I can mention hundreds of sins and behaviors that are Horrible. But if, you, if, if all you do is control someone's addiction, but they don't have a relationship with God, what did you accomplish? Christianity is not about behavior modification. Christianity is about a relationship with God. In that relationship, our behavior will change from the inside out, not the outside in. If all we do is change our behavior on the outside, but we never change who we are from the inside. We're just like someone decorating a Christmas tree. It might be beautiful, but it's dead. It didn't. It's not real fruit. It's not real ornaments. They're, they're fake. And I'm not downplaying a Christmas tree. I'm just using that as an analogy. But a fruit tree full of blossoms and life from the inside out is beautiful. It's real. It's real. It's genuine. It's transformation. It's life. It's not phony. And as Andrew was saying in other teachings, we're either living supernaturally or we're living superficially. And religion is, superfici- is, su- is superficially. A relationship with God is supernatural. And you will live holier, but with the relationship with God and you ever did by your own self will yes self control is one of the fruits of the spirit i'm going to talk about that on sunday and different things but the goal is a relationship with God jesus said apart from me you can't do anything so if you can do stuff without god without christ then you've made yourself god that's wrong that's dangerous you know and you can't do it anyway <coughs> and even if you could, you couldn't. can't keep it. You know, faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. All these things are the fruit of, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, we're born of the Spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is Spirit is Spirit. We're born of God. We have His nature, His DNA, His life on the inside of us. It's His life that is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. And so, uh, i am saying a lot of different things right now, but, you know, just uh, submit it, Submit to God. Have a relationship with God. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 Focus on walking with God. Focus on a relationship with God, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You might have... Flesh, uh, lust that comes to your flesh, but you won't fulfill it. You won't bring it to completion. You won't fulfill that lust. The lust, the temptation may come there. We may have lust. We can't really control that, to any more than you control. Um, there's a lot of things we can't control. I can't control weeds growing in my garden, but I can control whether they're going to stay and whether they're going to flourish and whether they're going to be fulfilled and why they came to do to take over that, that flower garden or that lawn or whatever the case may be. It's not going to be fulfilled. Why can I'm walking in the Spirit? The key is the Spirit, not you. You're not the source. You're not the power. And... And so, it's not about behavior modification, it's about life transformation. That's what we're about. So, let's read a little bit more, uh, go ahead and read out the chapter, and then uh, we'll talk.
1: One time I had a man in our church come out to shoe my horse. While he was doing that, we began talking, and he kept referring to his girlfriend. I'd seen him at church with this woman and thought she was his wife. However, the way he kept talking about his girlfriend led me to believe they weren't married. So finally I just asked him, Are you married? He answered, Oh no, we're just living together. We've had so many friends that have married and divorced that we think it's wise to live together for a while and see if we should get married or not. It's been about six months now. Immediately I asked, I thought you said you were a Christian. Well, I am. I was born again four months ago. Don't you realize that living together is contrary to God's word? This guy was a brand new believer and totally ignorant of the scriptures. You mean God says something about just living with a person before you get married? So I started sharing the word with him. After a little while, he said, Well, we love each other and we're going to get married, so it'll be okay. I had to explain to him, It doesn't matter what's going to happen in the future. Right now, you're living in a way that exempts you from God's power. You've yielded yourself to Satan and have violated God's word. By doing so you have released demonic power in your life. The devil is just having a heyday with you. As we continued talking, he began to open up his heart. Usually it takes 30 minutes to shoe a horse, but this one took three hours. He was just soaking it up. This brother changed his mind, moved out, and they straightened up their act. When you disobey God, you open up a door to the devil. Now contrary to what religion says, God still loves you. He's not mad at you, but he wants better for you. By violating God's instructions in his word and obeying the lusts of your flesh, you've thrown open a door to the devil. Satan will come in, eat your lunch, and pop the bag. If you don't want that, you may need to change your mind and adjust your actions. We're in a spiritual battle and you can't afford the luxury of just ignoring the instructions God has given you.
0: You know, just because I talked a minute ago about behavior modification, that's not the goal. At the same point in time, and I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, there are some actions, as we've been saying all along, there are some actions and behaviors and some lifestyles and some way of thinking. This, this, guy, I don't, this guy was not trying to revolt against God. He just reasoned in his own natural reasoning that he just thought this made sense. He didn't even have, he didn't even have the scriptures and the knowledge to know that what he was doing wrong. But when he realized what he's done wrong, he changes act. You know, some people just don't realize what what they're doing is wrong. But when you do, then 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 change it, make some adjustments. You know, maybe maybe you are watching too much news or this or that or Facebook or whatever the case may be. You know, uh, it's one thing not to, the it's one thing to do something wrong and you didn't know it was wrong. It's another thing to do something wrong and you know it's wrong, but you're just gonna do it anyway. <laughs> One's rebellion, and and stupidity, and the other one is uh, you know just ignorance. They both can have a sense of stupidity to it, but the ones there's a difference between ignorance and flat out rebellion. But at the same point in time, that's not what the message is so much about. The me- you know God still loves you even if you're sinning, sinning. But you're still, that is, and just because God loves you does not mean, does not change the fact whether you are opening the door to the devil to have his way in your life. And so, you know, there's some behaviors and some lifestyles, some ways of thinking, some things that we listen to and watch and different things that we are just allowing the Satan in. Into our lives, into our marriage, into our finances and relationships, etc., etc., and so there's just some wisdom. For, for, you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Just like this guy, he got Andrew spent some time with him as he was shooting a horse, talking about his lifestyle, and he got some truth. And he, he uh, and because he got the truth, he was able to be set free from some things. We we're looking for God to do something out there. When God is wanting us to do some things. We need to know the truth, so sometimes, and some of that being set free means we change the way we think, we change our lifestyle, we change our actions, we change our behaviors because we knew the truth, and the truth told us what we're doing is wrong, and so we change up our act, and now we're we're free. We're waiting for God to do something out of the clear blue sky when God is telling us to make a change. You know, it's insane to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result there's some things that God can teach you you know uh, a few years ago God taught me how to budget I got a brand new but we got a brand new budget we did not at the time we didn't change our income we didn't change our expenses we just changed how we managed it better and we started saving money and different things and we were we are better off financially now than we have in a long time because we have a better budget and God just taught us how we were budgeting our money was wrong. At the time, we couldn't work anymore and whatnot. But even then, God has taught us ways in recent months and years how to bring, bring in more resources. There's just different things that God has taught us. Not just, they're not all sin-related, but sometimes it's just the facts of life, and God has taught us how to live and different things for our marriage and whatnot. You know, God has taught me some tricks about different names and whatnot I had computer problems the other day and he just said well why don't you just reboot the computer well that's a novel idea <laughs> just just shut it down restart it and then everything every all the problems went away I don't know why you know and uh you know the other day I was uh, trying to I, I'm getting ready to start a new Apple steel business and uh I was working on getting the business phone set up and I was having some problems with the, the, the phone company, I this, uh, this business phone, and God says, well, why don't you just, they're not helping you, why don't you actually call the Microsoft, uh, reach out to Microsoft, and I reached out to Microsoft, Microsoft encouraged me, and, and encouraged me to reach out to Dell, the maker of the computer, and so I did that while they were still trying to figure out, tell me why it wouldn't work, and then I talked to Dell and Microsoft and they told me why it would work, and so they're the one that actually made the computer so I, why not talk to them and so I, and while the, the clone company said that what I wanted to do wouldn't work, uh, I, I got the problem resolved because I listened to the Holy Spirit tell me who to call I didn't have the wisdom, I didn't know how to fix it you know, but the guy did, did this, this and that and I saw him on the computer remotely doing it and all knows it works and it's still working and the Holy Spirit will can help you run your business, your marriage, your life if you would just listen to him you know, you shall know the truth, and truth will set you free. And there's a lot of different ways this can be. Uh, and sometimes it's just very practical. You know, God can be very practical. He's the one that made the... I mean, I just marvel at this sometimes. He made the planets. He made the earth. He made, he made all the fish and the, and the creatures in the sea. He made all these things. God is very practical. He made science. He made practical. He invented practical. You know... I mean, I understand we have some supernatural things, but the supernatural God created the natural earth. And everything, how the planets work, you know, the, I mean, from all the planets in the universe, God is very, can be very, very practical. And so anyway, I can get off that horse. <laughs> so anyway, can I have chair?
1: But, but to piggyback on Andrew and, and Dave, you know, Andrew's example of this story where he ministered to this man shoeing his horse... You know, a couple things stood out. One is that Andrew didn't jump down this guy's throat and just get on him for his sin. He just shared, "Hey, did you know in the Word of God, this is what it says about that?" And the young, young, well, young man—I don't know his age. Uh, the, the man didn't even know that was in Scripture. So, you know, Andrew was able to to help change that. And uh, you know, some people are like, right, "But it's just a little, it's just a little bit of." immorality it's not gonna hurt hurt me or hey you know it doesn't matter what I do it's okay that I sin because God loves me anyways Uh, God's grace you know is there for me anyways he's forgiven me anyways well God's grace and love and mercy and forgiveness isn't for us to go out and sin as much as we want God's Love and mercy and grace teaches us to deny ungodliness, to turn away from sin so that we can live that out, the abundant life. We just talked about it the other day. I can't remember if it was in this study or our Sunday night Bible study, but we have an abundant life, a life to live to the full. And if we're letting in, uh, opening the door to Satan or letting any sin in, you know, sin is... You know, our flesh might want it for the moment, but it's just—it's just a lust thing, um, and you know, lust can be not it can be for for any ungodly thing, and not just for uh, sexual immorality. And I'll—I'm this close to getting on my soapbox and, and start preaching, but I know we're out of, almost out of time. But but the this, this whole. Uh, the rest of this chapter that we that we read in Andrew's story you know when we open the door to Satan and we allow things in we open the door to all sorts of of, of evil things to wrath and um, and you're thinking wrath well I'm not mad at anybody but uh, you know I want to be in my, my sin well th- that's completely up to you <laughs> but you'll be much happier not living in that sin or not allowing that uh, in in your in your life and you know just just look at Paul the Apostle I know I keep throwing him out there but I've been reading his letters so I think about him a lot before he was saved he was helping murder people. He was going after the church. And, and being religious. and, um, and just he, he thought he was being cool. But he was just. I mean people were afraid of him. And um, it, it just. Was not good. But then Jesus got a hold of his heart. And his life. And, and uh, his conversion. Is just amazing. How he gave himself to the Lord. And um, a lot of. What has helped me in my Christian life all comes from Paul, and, and Paul is, you know, don't, don't look at the things of the past, you know, look to the, the future, look at the, the prize, you know, of this race of life that we're living, and it's Jesus Christ, and, you know, Paul, throughout all his epistles are helping the church see that it's not okay to live in sin, but it is okay to live out that godly life that God has called us to to love one another to be in unity as a church to to abound in faith to uh, have, have a life full of Thanksgiving and you know all uh, The, <laughs> Andrew's book basically boils down to this and um, submitting to God and God has so much for us that that's good and if you're okay with with oh it's just a little bit of sin well do do you really want to give up all that God has for you for a little bit of sin that can distract you from your your purpose in life from your victory in Christ
0: awesome very good very good well, we're out of time, so we'll pick it up next week here, Chapter 5, where uh, we'll talk about, I think, un- un- unconditional author- authority, so we'll start getting into some of the good stuff, uh, not that it's all good, but uh, uh, anyway, Lord, we worship you, we thank you for the cross, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we can have a relationship with you, teach us afresh what that looks like and how to do that, Lord, help us to guard our hearts and our minds Lord, uh, help us, awake, uh, show us where maybe some of our actions and activities and thought patterns are uh, bringing the wrong fruit in our lives. Lord, teach us so we can know the truth, and the truth can set us free. Lord, we worship you, we magnify you, bless us as we go. Bless our homes, bless our families, bless America. And Jesus' name we give you thanks.